Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today is Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Good morning. And we have Johnny Sisson in Chicago, Illinois. Hello, Johnny. Good morning. The sun is out in Chicago. Yeah. I'm very excited. Is it snowing? <laughs> Uh, no, but there is. I'm looking at the rooftops, and it was uh, everything is very frosty. There's the rooftops are white, uh, but it's sunny out, so that's going to go away quickly. And it's supposed to be like 50 degrees today. So, oh, we, wow, very exciting. Well, we yeah. were, we were meant to have some freezing rain over the last couple of days, which is something we don't get over here. But I think you get it over there in Chicago, I imagine, do you, Johnny? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a barrel of monkeys. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, there we go. Well, anyway, um, so it's uh, great to have uh, Carl and Johnny with us, but uh, this week I'm delighted to say we're joined by somebody that I've wanted to come onto the podcast for some time. Um, so from the Netherlands, we are joined by Evo Mikkelsen. Uh, hello, Evo. Hi, guys. Um, now, I'm Johnny from the uh, snowy part again. <laughs> we had some snow this morning, but it's gone. Um and uh, now then, Evo is a long-standing member of our Facebook group for the Photography with Classic Lenses. And uh, he is a DSLR user, uh, which pretty much um, makes him... Uh, oof, um, <laughs> there aren't many of you, are there, Evo? Um, as in um, users of DSLR uh, lens, uh, cameras with classic lenses. And uh, so you, you've been pretty much standing firm against the tide of the mirrorless body onslaught. Um, so I think um, it'd be good if uh, we could hear a little bit more about how uh, how you got here um, and perhaps a little bit about your, your photographic life and, um, and the things that you've been up to and um, how you ended up using uh, classic lenses on uh, your DSLR. Well, my photographic life started very early in my uh, youth. Uh, I was about six, seven years when my dad introduced me uh, to, to uh, photography. Uh, he had his own uh, dark room and uh, uh, he had a Olympus OM-1, if I'm not mistaken, shooting uh, almost only black and white. Uh, he, he taught me to uh, develop film, uh, do the prints, everything. And uh, fast forward somewhere about, uh, say, eight, eight to, to, to 10 years ago, uh, I started uh, using digital cameras first, a Nikon uh, D70, and uh, due to an inheritance, um, I came across Canon uh, DSLRs, uh, a, D, a 40D to be exact, and a 400D. Uh, the whole collection uh, consisted of about, mm, say, eight to 10 cubic meters of uh, film and camera gear. Not, not that much. And most of it was very old, classic lenses uh, going back from pre-war uh, up to uh, the most modern uh, digital stuff. Uh, it intrigued me so much that I tried to to, uh, to adapt a few lenses on the camera that was with it, the, 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 the 40D, and it uh, was quite some fun until I reached the point that I tried to use a Canon lens on a Canon body, which wasn't possible. <laughs> um, this led to a search uh, and, and 
I came in contact with uh, Admika, and uh, uh, he has uh, a special kit that replaces the mount so that the, the complete lens uh, mount is set back two millimeters to compensate uh, for the flange focal distance of the, the EF mount. Uh, we talked and I tried some and I was overwhelmed. And that led to me leading the, the, the European conversion part of, uh, of his company. Um, so that's basically in a nutshell from start to where I am now. Right. Now, it's it's probably worth just, just talking a little bit more then about the, the difficulties of, of using some lenses on a on a Canon EOS versus others, because you know, many lenses will actually work on a, on a, on a Canon in the way that uh, um, few, relatively few lenses you can actually get to work uh, natively, at least, on a mm -hmm. um, Nikon body, for instance. So, um, perhaps you might want to explain why a, why a Canon is actually... Um, more adaptable, say, than uh, say, say, say a Nikon, and then go into a little bit more detail as to what the problems are by using a, a Canon FD lens on a on a Canon DSLR body. Well, the the, the key is the flange focal distance, and the, that is the the distance uh, between the the mount, the front of the mount, to the film plane or the center plane. Uh, with um, with a Nikon camera, that's quite high. So anything less uh, than that uh, specific mount uh, will not work. Uh, that's the same reason why, uh, uh, let's say, in a uh, Leica M lens will not work on any DSLR at all. And that's and that's because the the Leica M lens is is designed to sit relatively close to the to the film plane or uh, or exactly. the sensor, and therefore if you to to put it onto something with a, a longer flange distance, such as a DSLR, you're moving it further away from the sensor, and, and by moving it further away from the sensor, you're effectively going through a, almost like a macro stage at first, and then you get to the point exactly. where actually it doesn't give you anything at all, does it? Exactly. For instance, Leica M mount is 27.8 uh, uh, millimeters between the, 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 the flange and the film. And if you have uh, the Canon FL mount or FD mount, that's 42 millimeters. So you see already uh, the, the difficulty uh, to adapt. Yeah. You can uh, mount an FD to Leica M, but not the other way around. Same with EF, that's 44 millimeters. So basically, if you have a, am I right? Yeah, I'm right. So if you have a, an, a, an FD mount, you need to set it back two millimeters to, to compensate for that. That's it. So the actual uh, the existing mount on the on an FD lens to for for that to work onto on a Canon camera, it would actually have to effectively sit two millimeters or so inside the mount of the of the of the canon eos to, to actually get it to be at the correct, correct. distance away and obviously that's just simply impossible uh, not not impossible but uh, with an adapter it is yeah impossible yeah, yeah. so with the end that's different because an amica mount is not an adapter it replaces the complete mount so the old mount is taken off uh, a new uh, part uh, is is also inserted to uh, get the aperture ring uh, connected to the aperture control inside and then the new mount is mounted 
which reduces two millimeters from the uh, from the original uh, uh, flange. Now, I'd imagine this the 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 this replacement, this Edmeco replacement, it, there's it's it's got to be a, a relatively complex piece of kit, hasn't it? Because um, an FD lens. Um, it's 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 quite an unusual mount. I mean, there's the two versions of the FD mount, which I think we'll 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 touch upon. Um, but mm -hmm. one of the other issues is that aperture control. But if you um, a hold, if you hold an FD uh, lens and you turn the aperture ring, nothing happens, does it? If it's not actually Correct. attached to the camera, so Correct. so there has to be something going on within that uh, that replacement mount to enable that uh, aperture control to um, be engaged to the aperture ring. Is that, that that's right? Yeah. That's correct. You have those two uh, levers on an FD. Uh, on an FL, there's only one. And it has to be in a certain position. You also have to uh, have the, 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 uh, the, the breech lock ring twisted to the, the close position to, let, to get the, the aperture working at all. So if you, um, if you take an, an FD lens, don't know if you have one at hand, and you look at the ring on the inside, there's a little um, a kind of a spring that holds the the, uh, the breech lock ring in place. You cannot turn it. If you put the, that if you pull it down, you can close the aperture ring of the, the, the mount ring and then the aperture works. Right, I've just got just happened to have one in front of me at the moment. For me. I, I didn't think I. Had a, it's one. It's a. It's one of the, uh, the 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 strange things about our lives, isn't it? Really, if somebody asked me off the top of the head, "Have you got an FD lens in front of you?" And I look around and oh yes, so I have. <laughs> it just I just happened to have one there. I didn't get the ready. For, I just happened to have one in front of me. So yeah, yeah, no, I can I can, I can see that. Um, that's also one of the differences between uh, a difference. Uh, that's one of the tricks with uh, with an adapter. Most people have an adapter. They have an open and a closed position. And that engages one of the levers uh, as soon as you uh, put it on. If you have it in the open position, you have the, the, the FD lens mounted, and you leave it at the open position, uh, the aperture does not wor work. You do need to have it in the closed position. Yeah. And I know it's tricky. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's it's it's. The, I mean, the the, the FD lenses uh, and the FD mount is is coming for quite a bit of criticism over the years. I know there are some people that really like it, um, but I know that whenever there's a conversation on uh, in in one of the chat rooms or, um, or in in the group, um, when the word breech lock and cannon come together, Johnny usually. Um, um, puts up one of his uh, memes um, with uh, um, uh, decrying uh, the, the the breech lock because you're 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 not that much of a fan of the breech lock, are you, Johnny? I believe you're referring to our friend Grumpy Grandpa. That'll be the one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just something fun to complain about. It's not that bad. I mean, it's just it, you know what it is. It's just that it's it. it <laughs> I just—it's just easy to 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 screw it up if you're if you don't understand how it works. That's all. And I, I've seen many many <laughs> breech lock lenses with stuck caps on them and mounted wrong on cameras. And it's just you know if you know how it works, it's it's fine. It's just it can be it can be troublesome. That's all. It's a troublesome. It's a it's a it's a cranky cantankerous lens mount. That's all. 
I agree. Breach <laughs> <laughs> lock. It wasn't that well designed. No, it's just it wasn't that's all. Uh, foolproof. Yeah, right. Well, the FDM right, right. was a bit better. Yeah. Well, actually, Black if, I was going to say before we go on to that, it's probably worth just talking about those. But there are um, three. I hesitate to say there are three. I, I, there are three, certainly three main uh, versions of the uh, of the FD uh, mount. I'm, I say that because I'm not sure if there's if there's some like two point five version two point five or something like that. But you've got uh, originally it goes dates back to the FL. Uh, mount and then right. you get the uh, FD mount and then you get the NFD and uh, I know yeah. Carl is a is a, a big fan of FD lenses in general aren't you Carl? Sorry FL lenses. FL lenses oh yeah I think they're fantastic and um, I have two actually here in my in my hands I think the FL 51.4 could be the, the best full frame um, 51.4 lens that I have I, I, I think it's fantastic, and and I have an FL thirty five two point five, and and also I think it's fantastic on full frame, so I love I love them both, and I've had the one thirty five. It was just a little bit too heavy for me. A two point five. Well, this is a one thirty five. Uh, this is a thirty five two point five. I had a one thirty five three point five. No, I meant a one one thirty five. Yeah, three point five. Too heavy. Okay. I thought it was a heavy lens, but that was back when I had an Olympus body, not my, okay. my Sony. I was just going to say, but the 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 one three five two point five FD at least that that is a that is a, a heavy lens. Uh, I don't I don't I can't remember the three point five being particularly heavy, but certainly the uh, the the two point five that's a beast of a lens. I think it was back in a time when I had eleven one hundred and thirty five millimeter lenses and it was just he it was heavy relative to all of the other ones like the Kamini for example yeah yeah okay so we we started off with the FL uh, Nikon then um, made some uh, alterations and you've already touched upon that with uh, with, with levers um, uh, between uh, there was an I'm correct in saying there's a, an extra lever with the FL F FD lens is that is that correct Eva that's correct. Yeah. Uh, that was the time uh, when the, the um, uh, automatic aperture uh, came in play. So the camera could then uh, control the aperture and the lens. That's the second uh, lever for it. Right. That's in the F FD and the FDN mount. That's it. Well, and and the third the third iteration. Uh, clearly, uh, there were there were people at the time that didn't like uh, the, uh, the the breech lock like Johnny um, mm -hmm. and other contemporary users at the time and uh, Canon were clearly listening to people and they they produced the final variation which is the, which is the NFD um, mm -hmm. now I don't actually know if you actually if the N stands for new but that's certainly yes. okay well that, that, I've, I've, I've known it has been new FD but I, I wasn't sure if, if that if it literally stood for new or whether people just just gave it that uh, that name and it's stuck um but the difference with the 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 nfd versus the the conventional breech lock is that the lens worked pretty much like a like a normal lens without a breech lock didn't it that's correct you could uh, push a, a button on the side of the the lens and twist it off very smooth one-hand action instead of uh, uh, hoping uh, with a breech lock that it wouldn't fall down <laughs> Yeah, yeah, 
Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a similar actually it's a similar kind of setup to uh, Olympus as well, isn't it? Because Olympus has also got um, sort of like the NFD, the Olymp- Olympus OM lenses. Uh, I think the pen lenses as well, actually, um, have got a, a release button on the lens itself rather than it being on the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, a minute ago, I was going to say, I think breech locks are fantastic, and I don't know why Johnny always complains about them. But um, since you asked me something how many several minutes ago until just now, that's how long it took me to get the lens back onto the adapter. <laughs> 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 where, where with my um, my Nikkor lenses, I, with my eyes closed, I can put a lens on an adapter, just just like that immediately. <laughs> it, are, it's, uh, I, Carl, is this got an, uh, an adapter going on a Sony? Is it a, the double breech lock adapter? Because those are the best when you get a breech lock no, lens and a yeah. breech lock adapter. <laughs> yes, it is. It is both. Yes. Yeah, that's that's, uh-huh. that's my favorite. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, but I so, have it on. I got it. I got it to work. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> just just taking things um, forward now, and, and I think it's let's let's talk a bit more about the Edmica adapter, and um, and you know, perhaps you could tell us a, a bit more about it, how it's made, what it's made of, um, and the the, the process that um, is required. To, to swap the mounts? Um, well, let me start a bit about um, uh, how they are made. Uh, they're made from a special polymer. Uh, I cannot tell you exactly what it is because I don't know it myself. Um, it seems to be better than any other material around. It's even better, better than the original uh, plastic mounts uh, that Canon uses these days. Um, they are milled from uh, a solid piece uh, with a tolerance of 0.0005 millimeters. So a very, very accurate and high standard uh, uh, material. Uh, When mounted on uh, a camera, they also uh, act as a mechanical fuse. So whenever you drop, uh, uh, accidentally drop the lens with camera, um, most of the time, the lens hits the ground first. Mm. Uh, with most conversions, uh, the, the, the threads uh, inside of the lens are pulled out. So repairing that is very costly. Uh, with Mika mounts, that mount will break and it's easily replaced. Unscrew the, few, uh, the three screws or four screws in the FDN uh, uh, mount, put a new one on and it's good as new. Uh, it doesn't bend. It only breaks at high uh, impacts. Uh, like I said before, the, the flange focal distance is going uh, back uh, two millime- millimeters, uh, which only has one disadvantage on full frame uh, DSLRs. It's there is a possibility that the back element can hit the the uh, the mirror, which is easily uh, bypassed by using live view. Um, there's also one. Uh, get available to mount uh, the 35 millimeter tilt shift onto a Nikon. So that's the only uh, Canon uh, lens, FD lens, that is uh, fully adaptable to Nikon. And uh, to to um, to do the conversion, you can you need to know how to handle a screwdriver. If you know how to do that, you can easily replace it yourself. 
uh, on the, the breech lock uh, mounts, there's three screws that need to be uh, unscrewed. The whole mount in its full uh, comes off. Uh, the F the need, uh, the, the, the aperture ring needs to be connected with a part that's inside of the kit to the aperture control inside. And then three new screws are, ne uh, are uh, with the kit rescrew the new uh, kit and it, it works just out of the box it's so easy a kid can do it but the, the despite that there are plenty of people out there that could pick a screwdriver up and and destroy whatever it touches and uh they're uh, but they're, I'm, I'm just going to say you do actually offer a, offer a service don't you to actually do these for people that uh, really are too scared to do this for themselves through, through uh, potential causing damage Indeed. And there's one uh, little quirk about it. Uh, screwdrivers, uh, not every screw is the same. Uh, uh, the crosshead screws, uh, most people know the, the Phillips head and the, the posi drive head, but the, the Japanese use a JIS system, Japanese industry standard. Use a different screwdriver and you're screwed in whatever way you can think. <laughs> Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> because the angle of the the the, uh, the sides of the screwdriver is different on all of them. So if you have the incorrect screwdriver, you have a lot of trouble uh, getting the old screws out, damaging them, and trying to get the new ones in. Yeah, and yeah. there are a lot of people who don't dare to open up the lens. Uh, there are some uh, little things to to. Uh, to keep an eye on, like uh, the aperture control can get beyond a certain point inside of a, uh, inside of a, an FD lens, and we call that the, the shark fin trap. Uh, it's easy to get out of the shark fin trap on the, the um, uh, lower, um, uh, how do you call it, shorter focal uh, length uh, lenses, but as soon as you hit a 135 or a 200, uh, it's a bit trickier to get it back. Hmm. I'm I'm just looking at a picture of um, it, it's actually from the the trailer post that I put up on the 13th of December, and it's uh, a picture mm -hmm. of you've got a uh, what looks like a 50 oh it's, no, it's 85 1.2 fd lens on your 6d. Yeah, that's yes, spherical. That's it. And uh, there's also a couple of 135 2.5 um yep. lenses there um and one of the uh 135s has got the standard uh breech lock mount on and the second one mm -hmm. has got the Edmica uh mount and what was yep. particularly interesting there when you were saying about it being uh polymer uh, mm -hmm. i mean i'm just looking at it at the moment and when i first saw this it looked to me like it was possibly 3d printed and, mm -hmm. and but you've made the point there that it's not this is actually made from a solid piece and then it is milled um mm -hmm. so you can was that actually one of the the, the downsides of certain types of uh, 3d printing that there's its resilience um because they, they they tend some of them tend to be a little bit too soft for something that you're going to use day in day out i've had a couple of 3d printed adapters that have failed on me for that reason so so i, I presume then the fact it's milled, although that in itself is not actually a reason to say that something's particularly hard, but uh, it certainly gives you a reason for for precision. So this this stuff is is pretty damn tough as well, then, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's very tough. 
Yeah. Um, it's very hard to explain uh, how tough it is, but um, I know that Ad has made a video about it and uh, he had uh, dropped a lens uh, on a rig uh, onto the mount from about, what was the, about a meter. And it broke, it chipped off one of the, the sides uh, of the mount. It still could be fitted on the camera without any problem. So one meter, uh, what is it, a feet? Uh, I think about three, four, uh, three feet. Yes. About so it's quite, quite heavy, uh, the impact. It was a heavy impact. When you have a normal lens uh, but with a metal mount, uh, I say one feet, one and a half feet, and it's bent, you cannot get it onto the camera anymore. So that resilience, uh, that the flexibility is offered in th into this, this polymer. Mm. So what would be uh, a, a typical cost of, uh, of one of these mounts? Uh, the mounts itself, uh, they go for 75 US dollars, uh, free uh, worldwide shipping. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. Yeah. And, uh, and I take the, it they get the conversion service is also available uh, depending on the lens. Most of them uh, are about uh, 50. And that's about it. Yeah. What can I say more about it? Yeah. <laughs> It's a it's a it's a it's a simple product that does a yeah. um, I say simple product it's a, it's a complex product that does a simple job and it does it very well by the sounds of it. Um, now there's there was a um, I've already referred to it. Um, I put a trailer post up, and uh, there's been a. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a heated discussion, but certainly there's been a passionate discussion on there. And uh, and one of my fellow co-hosters co uh, is part of that discussion, aren't you, Johnny? Um, Still is. Yeah. Um, and, um, <laughs> one minute ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now, and I think it's worth just 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 touching touching upon a few things that that came out of that that discussion. Um, I think the first one I want to talk about is. Um, let's let's just go back in time a little bit, and uh, let's let's go back to when uh, the EF mount uh, was launched with the EOS uh, 650 camera back in 1987, and th th there was I mean I I remember that time very very well, um, and I've mentioned before on the on on this podcast that uh, I bought. I didn't buy an EOS 650, but I bought an EOS 620, uh, probably about in probably in 1988. Um, so I, I certainly uh, fell in love very, very quickly uh, with uh, with autofocus and uh, the EOS system. Um, I then fell out of love with it equally quickly um, and, and sold it and went back to my contacts camera of the day. Um, but there were uh, there was a, a lot of resistance from existing uh, Canon FD uh, customers, many of which uh, decided that uh, they would up sticks and um, move over to to, to Nikon, um, but there were also a lot of people thought, "Well, this is the future, and uh, this is this is the way we'll, we'd we'd go with it." Um, uh, I'm just wondering if we if it's just worth just talking about that uh, that decision that Canon made, and also as a as a consequence of that decision, or at least the the way that they actually designed the EF mount, that the FD mount was com was effectively incompatible because Ed Meeker wasn't around at the time. So uh, um, I don't know if you've got any light to shed on that, Evo? Uh, 
Well, I think that that Canon made the decision uh, to sell new lenses because all the lenses uh, for the professionals were already sold and uh, most were, were taken very good care of. So selling new lenses was difficult. And the only way to, to do that is to make all the old ones obsolete. Uh, the professional, professional um, uh, how do you say it? Uh, the professionals, they weren't very, uh, very kind to, uh, to respond to Canon. So Canon even uh, decided to make an adapter for them. Uh, it had a 1.4 man uh, magnifying factor, if I'm not mistaken. There were only a few available and very, very, very expensive. Um, I still don't understand the, the reason why they chose to decrease the flange focal distance uh, only to sell new lenses because the old ones were good. They even had a very uh, a good uh, 35 to 70 f4 lens, which was made available in uh, manual focus and also in autofocus. And it was one of the first autofocus lenses that could fit on any uh, FD camera. Mm. I think I referred to that one uh, to you. Uh, I think yesterday it was. Yeah, in in our, in our chat, that's that's the one. But, uh, the, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a, a Frank a Frank Monster lens or something. Exactly, it's one of those weird things with the actual uh, motor for the uh, for the for the lens is actually part of the lens itself, so it's uh, so it sticks yeah. out from the side. And I, I don't think they were the only people that did it, because I came across a Vivitar um, earlier on this year that had a, an autofocus motor as part of it. It didn't work; it was non-functional, but uh, it was an ugly thing. <laughs> They are. But I think that Canon was one of the first. Not the, the first, there was another one. I think it's, it was a Pentax that was uh, before the Canon. Mm -hmm. But it was their first uh, attempt to do our autofocus. Uh, with the T-range, they even had a contact between the lens and the camera. And the, the, that was more like a trial before the EF line, uh, EOS line. Mm. And none, uh, they, they, they are very... Uh, well, very rare. It's not a, not correct, but uh, uh, not many people know of the T line, the T T ninety T seventy. Yeah, I think Johnny knows them. Yeah, very. Yeah, the yeah. T ninety is special. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I have to I have to say for <laughs> for those that have never experienced the joy. <laughs> have the t-line with the original autofocus lenses where you have the batteries in the lens mm -hmm. to power the autofocus you have not experienced autofocus <laughs> they they are <laughs> we get them every once in a while at the shop and they're they're just amazingly hilarious to use i, I mean mm -hmm. and, and I, i'm serious they're fun to use because you've got this you know this lens that's got this bulge on the side where the batteries are and it's got literally a you know like a, a phase detect thing built into the lens optically and a little sense so it's it's you know it's just aligning autofocus based on you know d distance uh measuring and all this stuff and and it's it, it works. It's just really funny because it, it's it you know it's so it's it's fun it's fun in a kind of a primitive way. Do you know what I mean? Like you're seeing the original implementation of it, and it it's and it works. It works great. It's just it's just so different. So yeah, um, yeah. 
<laughs> so I actually find those to be a lot of fun. If you can find them without uh, corroded AA batteries in them. Because yeah. <laughs> typically they've been sitting in a drawer somewhere for 30 years. So, Or you uh, should have the white one that I have here. Oh. Oh. Awesome. <laughs> um, just just to, to maybe go back to that we were talking about uh, EOS EOS development. And I think there are a couple of interesting um, things we can probably say about that. And, and one is that um, the, 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 uh, the motivations of why Canon developed the EOS system are not, uh, there's no mythology here. I mean, it's pretty clear why they did it. And there's actually, uh, there's a link that I will, um, I will send a Simon to include in the show notes to, um, an article over in the Canon Camera Museum online where they talked to six of the original EOS engineers about the development of the EOS line um, and why the shift was made uh, away from the FD mount. And, and one of the, there's a lot of really wonderful things in here, um, <laughs> one of which is that EOS originally meant entirely organic system, <laughs> which later became... <laughs> which what does that even mean? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> which, uh, which then they probably thought a little bit better of and named it electro optical system. Um, so, so anyway, they, 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 you know, they, they basically they knew that you know to make a fully electronic camera mount, you, they they could not use the EOS mount as is. And if you look at the two, I actually have yeah, the FD in front of me, there, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly the FD mount. So, and I actually have in front of me two wonderful examples of Canon uh, camera technology. I have a Rebel two thousand uh, EOS film camera, and I have a Canon FT in front of me, which I I think are maybe the only two Canon film bodies, SLR film bodies that I own. Um, and the, it's really obvious if you look at the mounts, why the, the EOS mount is a, is a different flange distance and a different design than FD and why the FD was not going to be compatible um, with EOS. And that's that the throat of the lens is a much bigger size to accommodate the electric, you know, the all electronic contacts of the EOS mount. So that was always going to be a, a problem. Um, and, and I, I mean, I think Canon was smart to simply draw a line in the sand and say, this is the future and we're going to, we're going to take you there and your FD stuff, you know, enjoy using it still on your, on your film cameras, but that's not the way that we go forward. If we want to make an all electronic mount that, you know, gives you, the joys of autofocus. So, and they, they talk about that, you know, in this interview. So I, I think anyone who's not maybe familiar with, um, with that history, this is a great read because it's, it's directly from the engineers who are responsible for, for EOS. And it's, it's very interesting. Um, so it, yeah, that, that, you know, that, that, the, 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 I guess that the truth is out there as, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's very interesting. It was an interesting time in, um, you know, camera technology development. And, um, you know, I think, it, I think it's maybe worth taking a read on that to understand why it actually happened and why you simply couldn't, you know, redesign an all electronic autofocus camera and still use the FD mount. So. I, I suppose that you, you've got to make comparisons, haven't you, to uh, the decisions that Nikon made. Um, say they managed to make 
uh, autofocus work with the with the with the F mount, although it took them a long time to get to to catch up um, with, uh, with 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 Canon. Um, but certainly, the, the one thing that always pop, immediately popped into my head with this uh, the the discussion that was uh, on there between um, Larry Niebuhr and you, and, you, and yourself, um, the the thing that that popped up in particular uh, was the uh, aperture control. Uh, because it is manual aperture, it, yeah. There's, it's a mechanical aperture control right. on FD lenses, right. and the EOS system is is electronic, uh, which also yeah. is the thing that really upsets a lot of people when they want to adapt a, a Canon EOS lens onto uh, something else. Even if they don't want to use the autofocus element, uh, there is no control of the of the aperture unless they use a, a smart adapter of some description. Right, so you're introducing extra cost, and people don't want that necessarily. They just want to use the lenses like they can just about everything else, and you just can't do that. So, if if Canon were to maintain that level of compatibility, let's just say that you know, they they could get round the the. the the, the small diameter of the th of the throat, and in, in much in the same way as as Nikon managed to do, um, they would still have to build in some a mechanical elements into that into the camera that they're thinking. Well, do we even need this? Um, is this actually is is a mechanical control of the aperture? Is that part of the future of, of cameras? And yeah, if you're moving over to, uh, I mean, everything's been you know, from from when the ele electronics entered into into cameras with with metering and such, um, and then auto apertures and uh, shutter priorities and, and and things like that, and and you know we go on to autofocus. Then the 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 future of cameras has has, has always led itself to being uh, more electronic. Um, so therefore, mm -hmm. it does actually make a. It just seems to make sense to say, well, if we're going to go ele electronic with this, this, and this, we may as well do the aperture control. Which, right? Chances are, right. they could probably control the aperture. Of, um, I'm, I'm guessing this is the case, but it sounds logical. But I imagine that electronic aperture control is going to be um, more accurate, much in the same way as electronic control of the shutter is more accurate. Um, so. Why? Why not do that when you have got the opportunity? If you're going to completely throw the uh, baby out with the bathwater and have a new mind, well, you may as well go all in. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I, I think Nikon, as we're seeing right now, did themselves a disservice by trying to continually up, you know, but backwards compatibility always included, which is a total, is total BS, which the Nikon people believe to be truth. Um, <laughs> I think I think Nikon is still paying for that right now because I think part of the reason they were so late to come out with a mirrorless camera is because no matter what they did, they were going to have some group of users unhappy with them. Uh, I mean, the insanity to the point that 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 people wanted to maintain the same flange distance for, <laughs> for all their Nikon lenses in a mirrorless camera, which is absolutely absurd. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, part of the reason is that. Just because you just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. And and Nikon is has paid for that, I think, dearly in the, the present moment, um, because they, they were always afraid to just make that leap and say, Yes, the new mirrorless camera is gonna have a different mount and there are gonna be compatibility issues. And they were finally kind of forced to do that. Um and anyone who doesn't believe that's true, I will put up a link where you can download the five page spreadsheet from Nikon. 
showing lens compatibility. And if you can decipher this chart, we will give you something <laughs> special. <laughs> but it, it's interesting, and it's carried over to other lenses. Last night, I was um, uh, one of my evening things. I always do is look at eBay and think about lenses. And I was, I was looking at uh, uh, planar fifty-one-point-fours, um, and then somehow I got looking at, at ZFs. And then I started reading about ZFs just to see what what the difference was with the ZF versus a, an older one. And um, but the Nikon mount ones are are so compatible. They even have that little useless um, thing on it that can go on a really old Nikon camera. Oh, the rabbit ears. You mean the rabbit ears? Yeah, the rabbit ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's cool. Um, okay, let's let's bring things forward again and uh, bring bring Evo back. Um, and because the other part to our discussions that we've been having is and and this is the it's almost like the elephant in the room really um adapting um old lenses uh, to digital cameras uh, it's it's largely uh, been able to do that with mirrorless cameras that, that has driven uh, the success and um, and you know there's this whole world that we're actually in at this moment because old lenses work particularly well in my opinion on mirrorless cameras because you you don't have the issue with uh, the the viewfinder um, going dark on you at least but um, Evo you are a Canon DSLR user and, uh, and 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 a resolute one what what is it about using a DSLR and uh, classic lenses that um, that keeps you keep you going down that route instead of going down the mirrorless route. I thought about the mirrorless route uh, about was it three years ago uh, when I decided to buy full frame camera. Um, I looked at uh, various Canons like the 5D, the 1D, and the the 6D. Uh, I looked at the the, the Sony. Uh, what was it? The Alpha uh, Seven, A Seven, A Seven Two. I held them in my hand. I didn't like the ergonomics. They're way too small for my hands. It feels like yeah, it's a toy. So uh, that left uh, Sony uh, in the dark, basically. So my hands are the lim limitation uh, to the size of the camera. Um, which need to be the big bigger, so hence uh, a Canon DSLR. <laughs> I hear someone laughing because of, <laughs> because I, I, of my I, 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 No, 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 no. I, my brain is broken. Okay, and and. I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I just have this. You know how Donald Trump has those tiny little, tiny little hands. I'm just picturing. Ivo with these giant gorilla hands and it's just, <laughs> almost <laughs> it's just I'm it's a very enjoyable mental image <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's like the Seinfeld episode when Jerry was dating the woman with man hands do you remember that one yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> like I said it was one of the reasons other reason is because uh, I read up a lot about uh, Sony uh, cameras and uh, it seems that most Sony cameras go back for at, uh, at least once hmm. within a warranty time because they break yeah that's something I hate a camera <laughs> not reliable yeah. and I haven't heard anything about a Canon being uh, sent back 
because it breaks within warranty time. Mostly they break because water damage, uh, falling down, anything like that. Hmm. And well, like John, I said, the ergonomics, I yeah. like them. Well, I was just yeah. going to say, if we, this is a good one to, to bring Johnny back in because you know he works in a camera store. So you you see some real-world examples of things going wrong. Um, sure. I mean, have you got anything to say about reliability of uh, one brand over another? Uh, uh, um, uh, all, I, uh, all, I, all I can say to this, I guess, um, is yeah if you're anything happens with your sony the only people who will touch it are sony it's gonna go to them they're not gonna let anybody else touch it and they are not they are not fun to deal with that's all i'm gonna say um i had a i had i had a i was working with a, a woman yesterday who has a sony it was a, one of those uh what is the rx 100 does that sound right yeah point and shoot cameras and i and i've seen the same error happen on that camera i mean i can't tell you how many times now i know I, I realize this isn't we're not talking about like a you know their mirrorless bodies it's just a point and shoot but but nonetheless the when any any problem like that that we can't resolve it's gotta go to sony only sony will fix it they have basically no author, other authorized service and they're just a pain to deal with so i, I mean from that standpoint sure you know, there's a pain, but also, is it user error? Did they drop the camera? Probably. Did they throw it in the in a in a bag and spill a coke on it? Probably. You know what I mean? It's it's hard to only blame the manufacturer, um, but yeah, some manufacturers are easy to deal easier than others to deal with. So I okay, I, I don't know that, I don't know that any yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the landscape photographer will use a camera in rain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sony yeah, is a little less uh, waterproof, weatherproof than a than a Canon. You know what, though, you say that, and um, here's an interesting thing, and this isn't about Sony. Um, I used to have an Olympus EM1, and um, uh, one of the things I do at work is I'm on a committee, and we go out on in the Everglades quite often, and and some days it rains the whole time we're out, and um, one of the guys in the group has. Whatever the latest Canon is um, last year, whatever the latest model, and he told me it was the most waterproof camera in the world, and he wouldn't take his freaking camera out in the rain. And I, um, <laughs> and, and I um, carried my um, EM1 out in the rain all day long, unprotected, got soaking wet, and um, nothing happened to it. And I've even it dropped it into a puddle of water before, and nothing happened to it. Now the Sony would be destroyed in the rain, but. Um, Talk about a waterproof camera. I don't have an EM1 anymore. Man, that was a waterproof camera. I've got another wa waterproof camera somewhere lying here. It's a Nikonos. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Things waterproof up to 50 meters down uh, down water. <laughs> yeah. But, you're, but you're, your, your Canon is not waterproof if you have a classic lens mounted on it. And neither is that well, Olympus either. Neither is the Olympus either. I had the 12 to 40 Pro on it. That's why. Yeah. No, I think they, that, I mean, I, I still have an EM1. And if if I were to ever, I mean, I'm, I'm like the guy with that, uh, your, your friend with a, with a with a Canon 1DX, whatever it, whatever it is. You know, if it's yeah. raining, my camera doesn't go out in it. It's as simple as that. Even, even if it can do, I, I still just wouldn't want to do it. Uh, oh. But, it's, but what uh, about an EM1 with a 1240 Pro? I bet you would. 
it's what you know if well put it this way if i was to go out in the rain and i had to use a camera i would absolutely take that and that's what, yeah. because I've got, I've got that set up and I can do it. And it's nice to know that I can. Um, I've yeah. just never felt the need. Um, but, but yeah, that, that camera is, it, it's a, it's a seriously tough camera. Um, although interestingly enough, that I've, I've had a few, uh, cameras and, uh, that's the only camera that I've had to send back, uh, to a manufacturer, uh, because like, um, Sony, uh, I, nobody really, I don't think anybody actually deals with Olympus cameras either. Um, my, yeah. my camera has been to I've taken a trip to Portugal twice. Um, I've yeah. been to Portugal, but my camera, my M1 has been there twice now. Um, and, uh, and both actually for things that were disappointing as well, I've got to say, um, the first one, the, uh, the shutter gave up. Um, I don't know how many actuations the shutter had done. I, I didn't, I didn't check beforehand. Um, but it, I, I doubt it would have been over 30,000, but I only really used it for 18 months um, yeah. in, in, in anger. And uh, the, the other thing that went wrong with it was, um, and, and this still annoys me to, to, to this day, and that's the, the lugs that are on the side of the camera that hold the camera strap. They come out, yeah. came off. And, and, it's, and I was by no means the first person to have that problem. It is a problem with that camera. Um, I don't know if they've resolved that with the later cameras, but I'm thinking, you know, I've, I've, you know, I deal in cameras. I pick cameras up that are 50 years old or is some kind of old practica or whatever. Do you ever see one with a, with a cat, with a shoulder strap lug missing? No, it just doesn't happen. You know, so how, how can you build something now after all those years of knowing how to do things right? Um, how did they get that so wrong? That, that, that really, really upset me that one did because of course it could have, it didn't in my case, but it certainly could have, could have, um, caused a, you know, a serious problem to the camera. He could have, could have dropped it and there, and I don't know what the situation would have been. Would Olympus say, well, sorry, just it, it totaled your camera and you're, you're 1240. We're going to pay for the whole lot or yeah, we'll fix the lug for you. And that's as far as it would go. I, I don't know which way that would have gone. I, I could guess, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so uh, I think, I think so. I've, I've not had a problem with Sony in terms of reliability. Um, no Fuji. Yeah. Um, but, the downside on the on the Sony is it, it definitely isn't as well made as uh, as the Nikon, the Canon, or the Fuji or the Olympus that I own. Um, def definitely not. Uh, I've got there's, there's rubber that's peeling away uh, on it around the around where the SD card goes in, and you know I've got. Uh, uh, well, you look at some cameras, some old film cameras, and they have a patina um, where where the paint has been uh, rub, rubbed away. And uh, some people like to see the brass that's underneath it because it can be it can be uh, quite attractive. Well, it's it's not particularly attractive when it looks like the paint's just flaking off in the corners. Uh, right, and silver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just not, yeah. Patina doesn't really count on the on the Sony. So, uh, but in terms of actual reliability, uh, no no problems at all. Actually, that's the point. I, I, I was using the uh, Olympus uh, yesterday, and I've I've now got a dead pixel in the EVF, which I've never had before on a on a camera. So um, yeah. So anyway, I think cameras cameras can go wrong. Some cameras are more reliable than others, and that's always been the case. Um, the, you, know, you go go sure. through history. There was there were some film cameras that are notorious for going wrong, and mm. um, and and the brand of a camera isn't necessarily. Um, a guarantee that a, that all those cameras are going to be good and all of them aren't. And some of the cheaper ones can be more reliable than the expensive ones. Um, that's just how yep. it is. So Evo, um, back on um, Canon lenses. Um, 
and I, I thought about this just now, and I didn't want to forget it. We often get people um, on our Facebook page and who um, put a post up because they have a problem, and and it's that they've um, they've gotten the plastic cap stuck on their FD or FL lens, and they can't get it off. And I think about once a month this happens. Now, I've never had it happen before, and we've had all sorts of explanations of how to get it off. And then some people have even said there's two different kinds of caps, and you've got to have the right one. And if you have the wrong one, that'll happen. And I don't know. I've never even paid attention to what kind of cap, nor have I ever had one stuck. I don't crank it on there like a gorilla when I put it on. That's <laughs> well, if you, if you take a closer look at the cap, you see there's a little notch. Yes, I have a notch, <laughs> yeah. huh? Yes. Uh, if you take a look at the back of an FD lens, you see there's yeah. a little pin. Yeah. Guess what? They have to be aligned. <laughs> you can't yep. be misaligned, which makes uh, it possible to, uh, to turn the breech lock uh, and get it so uh, tight that it cannot uh, come off again. That's basically it. That little bin and that notch in the cap. Okay, well that's why one I'm not of the, 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 it's one of the the, the yeah, best designs of the FD mount, in my opinion. Yeah, it only yeah. happens on the FD yeah, mount. You, yep, you have to, yeah, you have to have the 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 best caps to to have are the ones that have the little arrow in them on the inside of the cap. It has got a little raised. Know, molded molded into the cap. There's a little arrow pointing to the top, showing you that that's where you align the cap with the lens, mm -hmm. in order not to jam it on there, which you can definitely do. So, do I only have FL lenses? That's why I've not had a problem, I guess. I don't think the FL lenses have that notch. Right. Yeah. The little right. pin on the on the backside. I think that's right. very specific to the FD breech lock uh, mount. Uh, yeah. I've have de definitely come across adapters when I've just you know I I buy third party adapters for when I sell a Canon FD lens then I, I well, all lenses I sell them with uh, lens caps if I assume you can get hold of the uh, of the, the the mount and I've I've bought third party FD caps before that fit on some FD lenses and don't fit on others uh, I've never note I've never really looked at it to see if it if it's ever so slightly different with NFD versus the the breech lock but. I've I've come across some that fit on fit on some lenses and don't fit on others. So it's this, although if it says Canon on it, if it is the genuine Canon one, and they seem to fit on everything, they should. Yeah, they really should. Yeah, but, uh, take a closer look then uh, if it doesn't fit, if the the notch uh, is on the right position on the top. Yeah, no, I've, I've been, I've, 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 I've used it before. Um, and I know, I know how the, uh, how the system works, and, uh, and I've not been able to mount some caps onto some Canon lenses. It's, it's just a little bit bizarre. Um, I've had to go scurrying around to, to find one uh, occasionally. So uh, it's just, just a strange little phenomenon, which is probably where, where that um, comment uh, that was raised earlier about uh, two different types of cap. Um, there probably aren't two different kinds of cap. It's probably more a case of some aren't quite engineered and to, to the same exact tolerances that they should be. And uh, no, they are actually two different kinds. Of, they are actually different. They really are. If okay. you if you if you look at them, they are uh, they're they're different. I, I don't have two around here. I can take a photo of, but they're 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 definitely different. 
and it's and it you, you, you're kind of you're right i mean you need to get I, my recommendation would be get le, the legit uh caps with the little arrow in them just to be just so you don't screw it up um because yeah yeah and then you know the other thing and i don't know if you well you of course you've probably seen this before when i had that old 135 3.5 fl um the bottom was really odd it wasn't flat it was beveled so that we had a higher part and a lower part mm-hmm. and I, cu- I couldn't get it onto the adapter i had to take the pin out of the adapter and then it went on Never heard that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Was actually, my a chrome nose. Yes. Uh, that was a fifty. I can remember this. That was a fifty-eight one point two, wasn't it, Carl? Oh, it was that lens. Yeah. Yes, it was that lens, and and and. And, and, but and, but I was still able to adjust the aperture. Yeah, I mean that. Uh, that the pin. Yeah, yes. I mean I've had the same lens, and I had to I had to remove yeah. the pin on the adapter to make that work as well. It was um, a crappy, horrible lens. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, we have we have talked about that lens before. It, 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 it has few redeeming features, in my opinion. And uh, uh, the, I mean the the way the aperture ring works is bizarre in itself. It it, 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 it doesn't yeah. have a. It, it almost it sort of has a preset lens and an ap- a preset ring and an aperture ring, and we can argue over which ones they are. But in the, the case of of that lens, it, it just it just works weirdly. Uh, it just has two aperture rings. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd never every now and again, just when I thought I understood what I was doing, I'd turn one of them, and then and something unexpected would happen with it. So uh, I was I wasn't sad to see that that lens go. I've got to say. Um, um, talking about uh, lenses, Evo, you've um, mm-hmm. so you you you. I, I'm imagining you've got quite a collection of FD lenses. Is, is that right? Well, I've got a few. Yeah, not a very large collection. I think about uh, thirty or so. Yeah. Well, That's about it. So, uh, what what are your much. what's your favorite FD lenses? Okay, um, let's start from. Uh, the the short ones, uh, 24 millimeters I like, the 35 uh, tilt shift because it's, well it's tilt shift, yeah. uh, the 50 uh, 1.4, the 102.8, all FD, non FDM, um, I like the 135 uh, 2.8, but I think it's quite heavy. So I replaced that one uh, with a Meyer Optics. Um, I like the 200, but I like the Meyer uh, 200 a bit more. Uh, then we have a few zoom lenses. Uh, I think I forgot the 302.8 fluoride and the 85 uh, aspherical 1.2. Yeah, I like them too. <laughs> and I like the 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 one very sp- uh, particular zoom lens, and that's the 35105 3.5, mm, nice. and that's an FDM. And the reason why I like that one is because it's par focal. Ah, do you want, do you want, to, For, do you want to explain that? Well, not many people know uh, the, the term par focal, but it means that uh, whenever I am in focus at uh, 35 millimeters and I zoom in to 105, it's still in focus and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that so you, once right. focused, I can zoom whatever I want, and it's still in focus. 
But so I, th- I think the opposite to that, and which is far more common, is uh, very focal. I think that's that will be the correct term of the opposite to parfocal. Is that is that right? I think so. Yeah. 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 That's, it's funny because I've never heard anyone say that about lenses, and yet I'm really familiar with the term because of using microscopes at work. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's really important with a microscope that if you're focusing on something at a low magnification, then you go up higher, it's it's still in focus. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that so that's that's you know good microscopes are always very par- nicely parfocal. Now, not many lenses are parfocal. Not many zoom lenses. No, no, I've, and I've used that lens. Um, I'm, I've not, none of us on this show are, are particularly fans of, uh, of 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 classic zoom lenses, um, but that's that's a lens I do I, I do have a soft spot for, probably more so than the. Um, the, the darling of uh, short uh, zooms, the the Minolta MD thirty five to seventy three point five. Um, I think mm-hmm. I'd probably prefer the uh, the Canon one as well. Um, yeah, same here. Yeah, I've got my Minolta uh, also adapted to uh, EF. Ah, that, that's probably worth just uh, <laughs> just a touch, touching on as well. Then, um, so uh, there is a, a. I assume is this? It's a case of some MD lenses can be converted uh, to EF, or is it uh, all of them? Uh, how does how does that work? Is it a similar kind of well, thing to FD? Uh, kind of. The the difficulty with MD lenses is that uh, part of the the uh, the mechanism. Uh, for the aperture control is inside of the mount and that makes it very difficult to uh, to swap mounts you have to replace that whole mechanism and uh, I think that's why the, the reason why not many people even tried to do uh, so and Ed did try a few and uh, he managed to get a few uh, very nice uh, conversions done but uh, not not going to go uh, much further on uh, down that road. I've got a 100 uh, 3.5 macro Minolta. I think it's MC. Not one of the best, but it's uh, one and only uh, converted to EF mount by Atmica, and it will stay that way. So on your on your 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 Canon and uh, user 6D. Um, yeah. Do you use the conventional? autofocus screen that uh, that comes in there or have you swapped it out for something well, else i did swap it with the the focusing screen of a canon efm camera ah. <laughs> yeah it's a very uh, uh, <clears throat> low cost uh, eos camera that once uh, was designed uh, as a, a cheaper version for uh, for the uh, yeah uh, autofocus uh, uh, variations and um Hard to find nowadays, yeah. but the, the, the focusing screen can be swapped without any problems into a 6D. I think, uh, in fact, not. I don't think I know. Uh, James Giordano um, has or had one one of one of those as well. I mean, I, I've yep. I've got a 5D Mark One, and I've I I use a focus screen from a Nikon FE in mm-hmm. it, which uh, it fits. It doesn't. It's it's not perfectly perfectly aligned um but also there's a there's a it, it seems to cause a problem with the exposure as well uh, because i think mm-hmm. i can't remember i haven't used it for a while but i i think it 
over well it's either under or overexposes by about a third of a stop when you when you put that in there or at least that's what right. it seems to do anyway um so i by using a an efm which is a, a native uh, focus screen that sounds like a you know a good solution but you you make it sound as if like that doesn't live in your camera anymore is that right the the original uh, uh, the, focusing the, screen doesn't live anymore in there oh right so the, you're still the, you're still using the efm yeah. oh right okay split, yeah what is it called the, the split focusing now split yes yeah split, uh, split yeah. prism yep. split circle viewfinder screen that's the official name of it that's it. the the downside the downside of course though by with using that and I, I did touch upon that earlier um, use a, a DSLR uh, with uh, these adapted FD lenses now uh, mm -hmm. when you when you turn that aperture ring to the to the setting that you want to have say it's at five you want it to shoot at five point six mm -hmm. uh, it is closing down and therefore it, it it lets less light through the lens and therefore you get a darker viewfinder which in itself that makes that harder to focus whereas with the mirrorless camera um the 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 same happens but the the screen is boosted uh, there's more gain in the in, in what you're actually seeing there and you can still see the the correctly exposed image and you can still um focus more certainly more easily at least anyway um i think there's the, the, there are more issues when you when you stop down even a mirrorless lens and focus with it but ultimately it's it's easier to do that with a dslr but how what's what's your what's your method what's, what's how, how do you deal with that well, usually I'll shoot wide open, uh, so there's no issue <laughs> there. Uh, sometimes I stop down, but not to that extent uh, that I uh, need to uh, brighten any, everything up. Um, and if it uh, becomes an issue, uh, I firstly uh, focus, get it right, and then stop down. Yeah, yeah, that that's sense. basically way uh, again the same. Uh, route that a, a normal uh, lens, a modern lens works, which is basically where, again, the same way a preset lens works. You get your focus uh, on a bright screen, then you set the aperture and you take the shot. And I just want to uh, go back to uh, one, maybe two of the lenses that you've uh, you've, you've mentioned there. Uh, there's a few people thinking, hold on, they mentioned this and this, and we're not talking about them. Um, one of them being the you've got a 300 2.8 fluorite. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's 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 a pretty rare lens, and it's it's got a, a, a very very good reputation. Have you ever mm -hmm. um, had other versions of the 300 2.8 uh, fluorite versus uh, non-fluorite fluorite? No, I haven't had anyone, uh, uh, any of them uh, in my hands, unfortunately, because I would like to test it against the the, the, the L version. Um, but I suspect that there's hardly any difference in the, the in the pictures taken with either one of them. Mm. I do have uh, the, the 85-300 zoom, f4.5 if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's a bit darker than the the, the two point eight. Even those images are very crisp. Yeah. And then it was quiet. Yeah. Um, let's just have a, a a little pause a second now. So I'm just making a note of the time. Uh, one minute twenty three. Okay. Um, I I um, I I think we're sort of coming to the end of this discussion. Do do are there any other 
areas that we want to talk about with the, uh, about these conversions and FD lenses, guys? I can't, I can't think of anything right now. No. no. Okay. And uh, have you got any more that anything else that you might want to say on the subject, uh, Evo? Hmm, not at the moment. Okay. Okay. Um, this what I'm, what I'm thinking is I'm, I'm thinking of now starting to uh, just you know, cover off the any other business, any shout outs, and uh, and then start to uh, wind wind things down. Unless somebody's got something else to uh, to to say. No. No. Okay. Right. No. We'll uh, we'll 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 do that then. Uh, Carl, have you got any shout outs? Shout out this week. Let me see. Um, well, I can't remember the guy's name, but um, thanks to the guy in um, Russia who made this amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, we're not. We're not recording at the moment. I just wanted. I just wanted to know yeah. if uh, you had something. Um, and John, you said you had, you've got somebody. Yeah. Johnny. Oh, hey. Sorry. Yeah. I just. <laughs> I, I just. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought Carl would I thought Carl would ramble on there for a minute, so I ran off to get my wallet that has my shout out. <laughs> I have a little. I have a shout out uh, on, on the back of a business card. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, um, and then we've got that one one email, uh, which I've got to follow up to that because I I've, because I've got the uh, something that came in on uh, Instagram on the same subject. So that I have it, cool. and I want to do a different shout out than that. I have a better. Oh, one. well, go 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 for it, Carl. No, no, we're, I I got cut off real quick when I started talking. Yeah. I, oh, you did? I, 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 have wait, I have to wait until the boss tells me when it's okay. I, I, exactly. And I've, I've, I've just, <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody's just at the door. I'm just got to be. Uh, I'll come back in a second. Sorry, guys. Oh, he's got to go kick the dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been looking at I've been looking at lenses on eBay. Think thinking about buying a lens and I'll have to talk to you guys later because there's Zeiss lenses so it doesn't have anything to do with the podcast uh, okay all right why not no I want to I, I was thinking I was going to buy a um, 51.4 um, planar and um, so so first of all I've been trying to see if I can discern the difference between an AEJ and an MMJ and I know Simon has told me which one to buy but then I got on to seeing um, the ZM lenses which are the newer ones and so I've been oh, reading baby. all sorts of review I don't know what Johnny people are telling you in the shop but it doesn't seem they're quite up to the same image quality oh, I still, still love my Ultron yeah, I Carl. I mean, it's I. I don't know. You can get it in an F mount, in an you, F mount, which is kind of nice because I could shoot it on my. You can, yeah. On my, on my FE. Yeah, that, you can. You can cool. do that. You know, you can also get um, Voigtlander lenses in F mount too. So then, anyway, then while I was looking, I found that there's an 85, um, 1.4, planar, um, mm-hmm. an, uh, an MMG, a German mm-hmm. one. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm back now. For, for 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 three hundred and eighty nine dollars, and the only thing wrong with it is it has some fine scratches on the front element, and I'm really, really thinking about buying that lens. Would you would you Simon would, would you would, would you pay three hundred eighty nine dollars for an eighty five one point four planar, a German made one, that's perfect except it has fine cleaning marks on the front element. Ooh, that's a tough one. I know, tough, huh? Yeah. Uh, it's it's it just the hood and, and both you know in both caps. Yeah, the price the, the price is right, but I I, I will be I'd, I'd still be inclined to 
if you're going to spend that kind of money in you know, that kind of vicinity of the money, I think I'd be more inclined to 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 wait for a, a better one to come along. I mean, if somebody literally brought one in front of me and said, you know, here it is and you can have this at a really sensible price or whatever, then yeah, I might buy it then. But I don't think I would buy it off eBay that way. Now, would you ever buy a, a, a 51.4 ZM and an F mount? Z, Z, a ZM, a Z, ZM, an F mount? Yeah. It's a plan. Yeah, I thought those were the new, the new planars. There's, I mean, it's the, a, the brand, it's a, it, brand new ones. Yeah, no, this, it's Cotinum, a, is making them. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's ZM. Uh, sorry, ZF, yeah. ZF is the uh, ZF. ZF. Yeah, yeah. I apologize. ZF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ZF. ZF. Yeah, ZM's the Leica, Leica ZF. version. ZF. Um, well, I've had one. Well, well, I've, I've had the fifty uh, one point four plane on ZF. Um, yeah. I, I, I bought one and uh, just to, because it was the right price and I could make money and I, and I thought well let's just get it because I like the idea of it um, yeah. and I sold it I think I, I preferred my contacts one um, not, okay. not because it was en it was better uh, optically or anything like that I mean I think the, the newer lens was probably better in every single way um, plus it had nine nine aperture blades on as well I think nine or seven it has nine blades I like yeah. that a lot but the uh, the downside was it, the focus ring turned the turned the wrong way for me and that's a big deal for me on a on a 50mm lens <laughs> um, which but is if you found one that was in, if you found one in mint condition for $389 range well I've, I've I paid less than that for a mint one and sold it you know okay. so um so no that, that the answer is no for me i i would prefer the the, the canon one f is is in some ways better uh because it at least it focuses in the right direction and you can put it onto a smart adapter so you can still get your aperture control um so i mean the canon one what are you talking about as well that's a ze oh okay all right yeah so why don't uh, you just get that mount? no no I, I, i'm i'm looking at it because i would use it on my fe yeah, um, I, I get that. Film. Yeah, and it makes sense. Yeah, but what? Yeah. Uh, well, that doesn't make sense. It does. What? It, what? It, it, it does because you can the Nikon ones you can use on more more systems. I know, but if you're going to use it on your film camera, it doesn't make sense because you're never going to see the difference between that and what you already have. Don't waste your money. Well, you just get a fifty-one point four <laughs> AIS and be done. That's with what it. I'm but saying. It, yeah. <laughs> no, but this is why that this is why that I've really zoomed in on this eighty-five millimeter lens because it's different than anything that I have. Yeah. Uh, this, it's a sh it's a shame. We should have been this, this should have been part of the show, really. But uh, it is part of the not, show. It's not. It's we're not. talking about it right now. <laughs> we're, 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 <laughs> we, we, we're far too professional for that, and we're going to have to take it all back. And uh, Let's do it a different oh time. no, Listen, come on! You took a break week. to go kick Flynn, and we got on a new subject. And there's nothing wrong with that, Simon. We'll talk about it next week. It'll all be sound real rehearsed and dry. Okay, well, if if I can find a way of keeping this in, and it's uh, we've still got context, and if you're hearing this, there, listeners, then uh, obviously I felt it was okay to keep it in. Then we'll keep it in. Um, otherwise, here, here, here's some context. Okay, speaking of Zeiss, <laughs> the context should have happened before. You, tell, you can't throw the context in at the of, end. Speaking of Zeiss, life does Zeiss not happen in order, Simon. Come on now. <laughs> That's good about Canon. But speaking of Zeiss. Ice lenses. There you go. Just use that right there. No, no. Right. Okay. We've 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 had that conversation. We're gonna we're gonna and uh, and I'm I'm okay. not gonna I'm not gonna say something to tie in with wherever we were at, uh, which is gonna sound odd if we if this bit lives and stays. But that's just how we how we're going to do it uh, because we are coming to the end of the show. Um, okay. okay. So. Um, uh, <laughs> I knew what I was going to say as well, and now it's completely gone out of my head now, because uh, I know we were talking about the fluorite lens, weren't we? And, uh, you were. Uh, yeah. 
So that, <laughs> that was a while ago, though. That was before you said, do we have anything more? Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, go on about it again second time? Go ahead. Right, okay. Right, well, I think uh, now is probably a good time to uh, put that part of the discussion to uh, to one side, and I think we should start to um, start to wrap up the show. Um, okay. So... Uh, Feedback. We had a an email. An email flooded in, didn't it, Johnny? So, do you want to tell us about that? It did. We had a a, a torrent of email this week, um, all from Nigel Stanley. All one all one email that we received. Uh, so, Nigel Stanley says, um, "Geza Singer and I uh, were talking about a London photo walk a few weeks ago and posted a couple of." times in the Facebook group, but did not get a lot of responses. We were going to go out anyway, but have not settled on a date. And it would be after Christmas now. But with some support from the podcast and perhaps as part of the series in other cities' locations, it might attract a few more. So, photo walk. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, this is this is coming from what, uh, yeah, what I've said last week. Uh, I'd like to get out and take uh, more more pictures with like-minded people uh, in probably like city city pictures and, and such. Um, and uh, Nigel and uh, Gazer are certainly up for something like that. They're in London. Um, that's t- too far for for me. But I'm yeah. But ultimately, there should be lots of people in in that area. Um, what I would what I would suggest, Nigel is that you uh, sign up to photowalk.me um, because that's a, a way that it's a, it's a way of getting people together um, for photo walks. Um, so I would suggest you, you, you sign up to that and uh, anybody that's interested in going on one of these walks or uh, organizing one of these walks, um, they could also go onto the site and, and you know, see if there are like-minded people that might want to do something because you can uh, publicize what you're doing and people can say, yeah, I'll, I'll come along to that and you can set the number of people that you want to go on and, and so on and so on. How many are actually going to turn up is, can be a whole different matter, of course, and it's and these things are always going to be weather permitting, which is um, pretty much what I, I said to um, Sean, who was on Instagram as uh, Spandex OC, um, because he, he contacted me this week via via Instagram, um, invited me to uh, have a walk in Bristol, uh, which is uh, which I said to him is probably a little bit. Uh, too far for me again in the same way as London's a little bit too far for me Um, and uh, I came up with another suggestion that might do something in a place called Cheltenham perhaps Um, but so if there's anybody that's uh, interested in potentially doing a walk in Cheltenham um, then get in touch because that might be something that we we might do but I'm I'm interested in 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 doing something like this and I'm sure Carl and Johnny will be uh, equally interested if there's uh, anything going on in areas where they can actually get to and they've got the time for, I guess. Uh, I want to go to Chicago and do a photo walk. I want you to come here and do a photo walk, Carl. That would be great. I'll just say I would love to do one here in Chicago. I think we mentioned this on another podcast. I've talked to a number of people at the camera shop who would like to do some sort of event and I I would propose that in uh, the new year, at some point, we do something on a coordinated date um, in different places that has a photography with classic lenses tie-in, podcast tie-in, I think would be wonderful. I would be absolutely up for that. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, okay, that's, uh, so that's, that's pretty much it for, uh, for, for feedback. Um, I just want to just mention that uh, we, 
those those uh, kind people that uh, donate to us on Kofi, that's uh, ko-fi.com, um, and find us on the, if they do a search for Classic Landies podcast. Those people that uh, have uh, donated to us, um, we have a few this week. Uh, James Waddell, um, uh, who uh, sent a coffee for Johnny's bladder. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but just 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 yours for some reason. So, uh, thank you, thank you, James. Um, uh, Cheyenne um, has uh, said, uh, "Hey guys, great show again. Uh, thanks for the shout out." Um, and to Johnny, uh, he's making the point there. Australia is a bloody continent, mate. Australians all know each other. You know, and that's referring to uh, Cheyenne potentially having a chat with 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 Phil. Which uh, yeah, we've uh, I've been chatting to uh, Cheyenne. Not sure if that's actually going to happen or not. So uh, we'll we'll see where that one that one goes. It would be great to get Phil on, on the show in some capacity. But when 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 he's when he's ready. So um, uh, so that's that one. Um, Nigel Cliff. Uh, <laughs> we're still talking bladders here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, does does Carl keep taking breaks because of bladder problems associated with age, or uh, or because he can he can no longer and he can no longer eBay and broadcast at the same time? I never even took a break. I was just joking about the whole <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we, we believe you. Um, and, uh, and we've never had breaks. So why don't you guys ever give us give us a bit of break one week? Um, and John, because Johnny had to go and pee. <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of those things. We just had a break, in fact. We just had a break, and you had to go pee. No, no, somebody came to your door. Somebody came. No, he goes to kick the dog. We've already covered this. Oh, that's right. Yeah. This is one of those. This is one of those truisms in action, isn't it? So, something gets suggested and it becomes true, whether it's true or not. So, yeah. sorry, sorry, Carl. That's just how it is now. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and we just mentioned uh, Nigel Stanley who uh, sent the email in and uh, he's saying keep up the good work so uh, um, thank you for for those donations and um, we are going to be doing something uh, quite quite soon on that which uh, uh, which these donations have uh, helped us towards that and there's still a few other things that we have in the pipeline which we'll talk about eventually um, so thank you for uh, thank you for that um, Carl have you got any shout outs. I do have a shout out, so I I, I want to do a shout out for um, uh, anal anal mystery and his um, his books. Um, so I, I recently um, was able to get a copy of his newest book, which he did at a, a small pub in the town that he lives in, and I'm looking forward to that um, arriving soon. And he um, he had someone do a photograph of him, and it must be his wife. And um, it was posted recently, and I thought that was a really cool picture. Um, and um, and I and I like that um, and that he included one of his Flaneur cards in each of the books that I've purchased from him so far, and I kind of like it. And I I made one for myself, and then I realized the other day looking at it that it looks kind of scary, and um, I need to do one that lightens up a little bit. <laughs> <It's a> <laughs> his is nice. It's just this yellow card that says, "May I take your photograph." And then his contact information's in the back. Okay. Well, uh, uh, Johnny, have you you got any shout outs, sir? I, I, I do. Um, uh, the, uh, the other day at the shop, um, had a nice quick conversation with uh, Paul Stainland, I believe is the pr correct pronunciation of the name, but I did. Um, who you will find on Flickr. I'll put a link 
to Paul's um, to Paul's Flickr in the podcast notes. Um, and Paul, I, I, I remember meeting Paul about a year ago at the shop. And he was back in, and he had his Canon QL17 with him, Canonet QL17, nice little camera. Uh, so we had a we had a quick chat at the shop. So want to give a shout out to Paul. Okay, and. Uh... Ivo, you've been uh, sit sitting there quietly for the last five minutes or so. We haven't forgotten you. Um, no worries, no worries. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I think it'll be. I don't know if you've got any shout outs um, that you, you may have, but if you, um, but certainly it'll be. I, I want to say thank you for, for for being with us. You've been very informative. Um, and I think we've all learned uh, a few things about um, about FD lenses and certainly how you uh, play with mounts and things like that and how you also um, put a Canon FD lens cap onto a camera as well. <laughs> it's just you know, use, useful information for all of us there. Um, so, um, so if you want to um, let people know uh, how uh, how people can find out a bit more about what you do and if you have any shout outs, then uh, now's, the, now's the time to do it. I think uh, you can put the, uh, a link to uh, the, the pages uh, I got uh, in the, the notes. That's no problem, I think. Uh, I would say anyone interested in uh, buying a, a kit from Admika, go to admika.com and uh, shop around. Yeah, cool. Okay. And um, I, don't, I don't think that many, many people are interested in, uh, in, in going to do that because uh, most of you are using mirrorless. So, uh, well, the few out there, there's more, more possibilities around than you might know. Well, there's all there's there's almost a, a case for for doing it, so you don't have to use the FD mount. That's probably a good enough reason for for Johnny to buy one of those uh, setups <laughs> if you've got any FD lenses. <laughs> well, the nicest thing is uh, those who hate the FD mount can convert them to yeah, the F mount, exactly, and use the there F mount on any other camera they want. That's it. That's it. There you go. Right. Well, that. Uh, thank you. Thank you again, Evo. Um, we'll put um, we'll put those links in the podcast notes, and the podcast notes are uh, primarily put in the Facebook group photography with classic lenses. Although I, I share that in a couple of other places, such as uh, the what's it called the. Uh, film camera gas factory I tend to put the notes into um, I also put them into um, <coughs> excuse me uh, the onto, onto my Flickr account uh, which is uh, so you can search me for I think it's fuzzy I think I'm on on Flickr um, but we also have a, uh, a forum uh, post in uh, we don't talk about this very often actually on MF lenses dot mm -hmm. com uh, in the manual manual focused lenses section in the in the forum there is a post of, uh, about our podcast and that's that's been going on for some time and it's quite a few pages long and uh, you know we, we we get some feedback on the podcast and we uh, chat to people on there as well so if you um, if you don't like Facebook then that's uh, that's another way you can uh, read the um, the podcast notes so uh, 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 and yeah, as I just realised, we've done shout-outs there. But um, so, uh, thank you again, Evo, and uh, Johnny. Um, how can people follow you uh, outside of this podcast? Um, you can find me on Instagram most days, which is a total lie because I haven't posted anything up there in a week. But I will be posting there shortly. <laughs> I'm just getting caught up on scanning. 
from film I've just developed. Um, you can find me on uh, I am Facebook. Yeah, I'm sometimes on Facebook trolling uh, photography with classic lenses. Um, <laughs> more likely, you will find me on. Uh, Facebook at uh, the People's Republic of Photography with Helios 44 lenses on Sony full-frame mirrorless cameras. Uh, except for Carl, because he's temporarily banned. <laughs> <laughs> and you will f- you, and you can find me uh, most days at Central Camera Company in Chicago. Come on in and, and chat me up about the podcast, and that will be great. And I always enjoy that, so... There's where you can find me. And how can people get in touch with us? You can send uh, Simon and Carl an email at uh, classiclensespodcast at gmail.com, which I will be obligated to read. <laughs> and, and what do we say about Instagram? <laughs> oh, you, you know what? Why don't you do this one? You try to trip me up every week with this, and I know how much you enjoy trying to see me stumble on it, and I'm about to. Um <laughs> You can, you can on Instagram, uh, you can please hashtag your, uh, your photos with the hashtags, uh, best vintage lens. Um, and I don't remember the other one cause we don't use it. So just do hashtag best vintage lens and, um, and you will get a, a chance to be featured there. And it helps, it helps the world to see the wonderful photography that can be created with vintage lenses. I, actually, talking about best vintage lens, um, something that came out, I'm not sure if it was last week or the, the week before, but I'm, I mentioned about coming up with a name for the island that we send our guests to for their uh, desert island lenses. And uh, Ricardo, uh, friend of the show, who was on there a few weeks ago, uh, Ricardo Bayon, who was also uh, one of the people behind best vintage lenses, has been trolling me <laughs> with uh, suggestions for the, uh, for, for the island. And uh, um, Ricardo, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're just they're too corny for words well I appreciate that means please keep at it ricardo <laughs> keep them coming <laughs> all right so uh so 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 carl um well how can people follow you well on the photography with classic lenses facebook page and on Flickr and on instagram and on Flickr and instagram it's just my name okay and finally uh i'm on instagram as Simon Forster Photographic, which is also the name of my website, uh, so simonforsterphotographic.co.uk. I'm on Twitter as Simon Four, that's Simon and F O R. Uh, I've already mentioned I'm on uh, doing a bit of stuff on Flickr. Um, so that's pretty much at the end of the show. Uh, thanks for Kevin McLeod for our music, um, which is Octo Blues uh, from Incompetech. Com. Thank you again to Evo for being a great guest and um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show and it'll be great if you can join us again next time. Thank you. Good. Yeah. So you know for um, only $279 I could pick up, a, I could pick up a, I could, the hell with the Zeiss I could pick up a second Canon 51.4 LTM um, in mint condition for, for 279 bucks. Um, you know damn well Carl. any version of that lens you buy is cursed, Carl. But you know what? I, I, so I'll, I'll go. Up, that's what that's what scares me. I'll buy the thing from Japan again. I'll get it. I'll put it on my camera and I'll shoot a bokeh shot, and there'll be something wrong. It'll be a little separation of the rear element, and then I'll complain. Carl, I, the, I have 
three of them. Three of them in mid condition. Oh, okay. All you have to do is ask. <laughs> Will you sell me one for two hundred seventy? Will you sell me one for two hundred seventy-nine dollars? Yeah, oh, you have way too much money to spend on classical lenses. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> okay, well, let me think about it, okay? Because... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you! I hope you haven't been infected here, Evo. This is, isn't this terrible? <laughs> um, I'm trying to sell few <laughs> lenses, not buy. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Um, to be honest, what lens would I need? I've got a great 50 millimeters. Yeah, uh, it's uh, the Carl Zeiss Ultron. So there's no other 50 mil that can replace that one. Right. Uh, I've got an 85, uh, a 1.2 uh, uh, aspherical. Yep. Hardly any lens can beat that one. Um, I've got a 28 millimeter um, Leica lens. Oh, nice. So, where can I go? Where can I go wrong? Yeah. I've got what I need. Canon FD 135 f2. Uh, I think I've got uh, two or three of them. Oh, oh, but you mentioned 2.8, but I didn't know you had F2s as well. 2.5. Ah, no. Not F2. No, 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 ah, not F2. Yeah. The good one. <laughs> We've got a 2.5. Uh, I think three, three of them. Yeah, yeah. you need an F2. Evo, no, I have, I don't I have my, my Ultron right here in front of me, mounted on a Rebel 2000. It's such a beautiful combination. QBM mount. Uh, did you use an adapter or did you use no, a I, the, conversion kit? No, I, I have I have it. Uh, this is the Zeiss um, Icarex, the BM mount. Uh, it's the the concave front element version, yeah. which have just a, I have an EOS adapter on it that, of course, follows the mirror on the Canon. Unless I put um, some electrical tape on there to keep it from shorting. So, but it works. It works great. Version. No, not the M42. The the Zeiss Bayonet mount. The oh, the I one have. you have. You have the 42. That's even better. Yeah. <laughs> That's even better. Easier to I've adapt. Even, I even have uh, two uh, uh, C, what was it? 35 Icarax uh, cameras with uh, M42 yeah. mount and wow. one uh, with uh, uh, the, the uh, BM mount. Yeah, but I, but I have two of them, but they're both BM mount. And I have, I have two Ultron lenses, and you know how many Simon has? None. <laughs> Let me guess. None. <laughs> Right, okay, so should we should we get right. going? Yep. <coughs> you okay, Eva? Yeah. Yep, okay. McKeelson. I'll try that. <laughs> look close enough. Yeah, well, I, I spelt it phonetically, so, um, yeah, but uh, I'm, I'll still get it wrong. <laughs> um, okay. At least it sounds good when you say it wrong, Simon, because you have that posh accent. It sounds, so it's, okay. it sounds plausible, you mean, that's, that's what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing <laughs> posh about a Stoke accent, but uh, <laughs> that's see, that's what you think because it's all, it's, you it's don't relative, understand. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. The British have a more refined way of speaking English. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. There's nothing posh about it. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is my opinion until the Brexit is all all uh, over. Then I will switch sides. <laughs> Excellent.